And a very good morning to everyone. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. August the 30th, 2020, in the year of our Lord, 2020. Our opening song this morning will be, He's My King. I don't know this song, but my wife picked it out, so help me. Our next song will be before our opening prayer. Yeah. 
praise. Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you, Father. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. And we thank you so much for creating us, creating this world we live in, and giving us the opportunity to bow down before you and worship you. And Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. The fact that he was willing to come to this earth, live as a man, and then die a horrible death for our sins, just warms our heart to know how much love you have for us to send your only son to that end. Father, we have many of our number who need your healing hand. We have a world that needs your healing hand. We have a country that needs your healing hand. All of these are desperate needs in our eyes, Father. And we ask you to please heal all of the sickness. Especially we'd like for you to be with Mercy. Help her get through chemotherapy. It's terrible. And Father, we ask you to be with Mike Hayhurst as he mourns the loss of his mate and as he suffers with paralysis. Give him comfort and help him get through this time. Father, we ask you to be with our country as we go through this election. Let each of us examine everything we know about the people we're voting for. And let us take your consideration in all of these votes. Father, be with us now as we go through this service. May it be pleasing to you. May we worship you. And may we learn how you would have us live. Father, all of these prayers we ask in the name of your Son and our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next song is in preparation of partaking of the Lord's Supper.
Good morning. You know, I want you to think about some things here before we continue with the Lord's Supper. Um, when the COVID-19 virus came to the world, uh, scientists and medical people looked at it and, and came up with so-called, not solution, but remedies to kind of protect us. And many people change the way they live in order to not just help themselves, but help their loved ones and their friends. And I understand that. Our lives change as far as what we physically do. We don't have just a virus to contend with, but one thing we do have is sin. And that's the reason Jesus came. And he didn't come because we deserved it, that God seen how righteous we was and said, hey, you know what? They don't deserve to, to die. I want to give them an opportunity to live. He did it because he loved us. That's the key thing, folks. He loved us. So what we need to do is understand that if we can change because of the virus, we also can change because God loves us and sent his son to die for us. That's where we need to be. That's where our minds and our heart need to be. Be totally committed to God and follow Jesus. Please pray with me. Most Holy Father, Father, thank you, thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to make it to the promised land. Thank you for the opportunity to finally understand who we are and what our purpose is. And the way you helped us was because of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for him, and we thank you for people who bless us because of him. We ask that you bless the bread that represents his body, Father. As he traveled through this land, Father, he, he did good, and he told the people the right thing to do, and he shared you with them. Father, we thank you for that. We pray this prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue to go to our Heavenly Father. Father, you not only changed us, but you, through your Son, opened your arms to us, Father, and invite us to come in. Father, you didn't force us to come in. It was on us to want to be with you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Father. We Thank you for understanding that you didn't leave us just here alone, but 
you set your spirit so father we can we can have a guide you set your words so that we can have a guide father now we are spiritual beings living for you father we ask that you bless the fruit of the vine that we partake when we think about the new relationship new commandments we know that we belong to you pray this in name of your son jesus christ amen This will be our song before the lesson. If it's convenient, shall we stand? I love it when he gets up there and, and reads because I always, when I give a reading, I give it to Sue who gives it to Isaac. And I keep saying, you think that was too hard? And she keeps saying, no. So it's, it's one of those things. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Judges 6 this morning. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to try to get through Judges 7 and 8. <laughs> 
That might be wishful thinking, but that's what I'm going to try to do. So if you have a, a computer, we're on our Facebook, or you can go to YouTube and you can be part of the class. The series I decided to do with this is after I read this book, Faith and Doubt, by John Ortberg. This morning, this material particularly is not in the book, but if you read your bulletin, read the book, because a lot of that material came right out of, of Fort Berg's. We digested it a little bit and put it in there, and you will see some people's names that you haven't seen before, probably. So uh, take time to do that. Would you bow with me, please? Father, there are times that we wonder why things are happening. And as you see people hurting, you wonder all the more. I ask that you open our eyes to you the way you opened Gideon's eyes. And help us to have the strength to accomplish what you accomplished through him. I ask you help me get out of the way so people can see you in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who know my daughter know that she's a full professor at Northwestern University. She ran into a problem that she didn't know what to do with. She had gotten into feeding birds. And she has Sue into feeding birds, which then make me into feeding birds. And they got this elaborate setup that you had to have. You had to have a pole, you had to have bird feeders, and you had to have a baffle, or the squirrels would eat all the food. It doesn't work on deer. <laughs> So she wrote us about this tragedy happening because this deer comes out of the woods, eats all the bird food, and then goes back into the woods. It got to her so bad one day that she actually opened the window three-quarters of the way and yelled out, Leave some for the birds! She said he turned and looked at her and then just went right back to eating what he was eating before. My son-in-law calls him the brute. Now, I, I can picture why he's got the brute name. Michelle gave it to him. She probably went out there and said, go chase that deer off. And Mike just looked at him. He's big. He's got horns. He's not gone. He'll just call him names from a safe distance. But you ever have those problems that you just never dreamed you'd have? In the book of Judges, there's some great judges. Deborah has just gotten through naming Barak as a general, and they went and they fought the Amalekites, and they won. But by chapter 6, things are going bad again. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, 
caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And they did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. And they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. It must have been something really, really bad. Now, if you see over here, this is where the Midianites and the Amalekites come from. They've got to cross the Jordan River, and they sit there. And once they've crossed the Jordan River, they stay in Israel's campground until everything's gone. So Israel starts hiding things. They hide them in the mountain clefts, little caves all over. If you've ever been to the Bible lands, I hear there are some sites where you understand why Saul couldn't catch David. There are just so many caves to investigate. Sometimes they're like this on top of each other. Sometimes they're not. But each one that the Israelites chose had room. They could store some of their crops. Sometimes they took the sheep and the cattle into the caves because there they couldn't kill them. At least they could get something. And they're desperate. So they call on the Lord and, and God, God's going to hear them. But where do the Midianites come from is interesting. Sarah dies, Abraham's wife. And Abraham marries a woman named Keturah. She has eight sons. I put the one in red so you could really pick it out. The Midianites can trace their lineage back to Abraham. Just like the Israelites can. And the Israelites are calling out to the Lord because of Midian. And all the suffering their half-brothers are bringing on. So the Lord sends a prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now notice how many personal pronouns we have. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened. 
You haven't listened to all that I've done for you. I do it over and over and over and I give you all this and what do you do? You go right back to what you've always done. I tried to get you out of idolatry and yet you keep going back into idolatry. And then you call on me and I'm getting tired of delivering you. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash. Where his son was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. He cut down the wheat and he put it in the winepress because the last place you'd look for wheat is in a winepress. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And the Lord says, it is, I am with you, mighty warrior. Now, Gideon doesn't take that too well. Gideon sits there and says, if you are with us, if you're really on our side, why is this happening to us? Yeah, I know that our fathers told us, well, God brought you out of Egypt. Yeah, I, I know they told you that. But where are all the miracles that we had back there? Now, the NIV says wonders, just depends on your translation. Where are they now? We heard about them, but we haven't seen any miracles. And you say, you brought us out of Egypt, but you've abandoned us now. Where are you now? We're in the hands of Midian, and the Lord says, I'm doing something. I'm sending you to go beat up the Midianites. And when he hears that, he says something that I, I just love. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Have you noticed which family I'm from? We don't have strong men to go to the army and fight. We have little guys. And I am the runt of the litter. So you want me? I'm not the guy you want. And the Lord answers, I'll be with you. You'll strike down the Midianites together. And Gideon says, if I found favor in your eyes, show me something. Now there's a little bit of theory here that, that I believe has happened. The angel of the Lord appears a lot in the Old Testament. He's identified in the New Testament as Jesus. So this isn't just an angel. This is a manifestation probably of the Christ. So he says, don't go away till I go and make an offering for you. That means he has to go and find a sheep or a goat. He's got to kill it in the proper way. And he's got to make some bread. And, and the bread is filled with an ephod. And he's got to cook it. And it's got to be just right. So Gideon goes and he prepares it all. 
and he puts the meat in a basket and the broth in the pot and the angel of the Lord said put the meat on the stone over there and pour the broth on top of it and the angel of the Lord touched the meat with his staff and it is completely consumed. And then he disappears. Now, that was a sign he needed. I need to know that you are the angel of the Lord. So he goes and he gets the sacrifice and he puts it on the rock. It's touched with the angel of the Lord's staff. It, it takes it all up and he believes he's in a heap of trouble now. I saw the sovereign Lord. I've seen the Lord face to face. And that means I'm going to die. Because you can't see the Lord face to face without dying. The Lord said to him, Peace, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon builds an altar of the Lord, names it the Lord is peace, and it supposedly stands to this day, at least when this was written. And the Lord said, Take a second bull and make another sacrifice. And they go tear down the altars to Baal and Ashtaroth. Now, they are so in to idolatry that Baal and Ashtaroth are all over the place. They actually go up on hills that are very hard to climb so nobody will even approach them. And yet, here's the angel of the Lord saying, go up and tear it down. And cut down the wooden poles to Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is Baal's wife, in theory. And then build an altar to the Lord using the wood from the Ashtaroth pole that you have cut down and offer a second bull as a burnt offering. So he gets up and he gets his people and they go at night because they see him doing day. They probably are toast. And they pull down the Baal idols and alders. And they cut down the Ashtaroth poles. And they put it on an altar to the Lord, fueled by what they thought was a god. So day hits, and the town, the town's in a fury. There are no alders to Baal. There are no alders to Ashtaroth. There's, there's no wooden pegs anymore that, that stand up and shout out. They're all gone. And they are in a panic. So they want to know, who did this? And somebody says, I, I, I think it was Joash's son that did this, Gideon. 
So they take off to find out. And they come to Joash's house and they say, bring your son out. He must die because he has broken down all the altars to Baal and cut the Ashtaroth poles down. Now this is a dad talking. And the dad says, why are you here? pleading Baal's case. If he's really a god, why are you trying to save him? If he's really a god, why are you trying to punish the people for him? Baal's a god, he can defend himself. And the people sit down and say, well, that kind of makes sense. And they go away. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and other Eastern people cross over to the Jordan. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and he sends the Eberites to follow him, and he sends messengers throughout Manasseh calling to arms and also into Asher, Zebulah. So they'll come up and meet him. I'm going to send you out as an army. This is the runt of the litter. And he says, I'm going to send you out to captain the forces of the army. And Gideon says, if you're going to send me out to captain the forces of the army, I, I got to be sure. I just got to be sure. So, I'm going to put a, le a fleece out. Now, the fleece, it, it's just, uh, I the fleece was there. It's just sheep wool. That's all it is. And he says, if, if I'm going to take it out, and if you can make the fleece, all wet and the ground all dry, I'll be ready and I'll captain the forces. And Gideon says, oh, right. So he goes, he tests the fleet and he rings it out to a bowl full of water and the ground is dry. Now, you would think Gideon's going to get up and go now. That was the condition. And Gideon says, oh, wait. One more thing. If you can make the ground all wet and the fleece all dry, I'll know you want me to go. So he takes the fleece out. And it was wet the first time, but the ground dry. But this time, the ground is wet. And the fleece is all dry. Have you ever been there? You ever look at a situation and you say, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. Do you know what's happening down here? 
I, I know it's good in heaven, but do you know what's happening down here? Sometimes it's when somebody you know really know well is sick and they don't seem to be getting any better. Sometimes it's personal things and thing after thing after thing after thing is happening and it just looks like you just don't want to get up in the morning because it's going to be a bad day. You know that before your feet hit the floor. And you look up and you say, I don't know why this is happening. Why are you letting this happen? And that is the difference between being a Gideon and being a Christian. You see, when Gideon had God come down, Gideon says, why are you letting this all happen to us? Aren't you in control? Get control. Do it the way I want you to. And God turns around and he says, I want you to look at this realistically. It's not my fault. It's what your people have done. Sometimes we forget there's evil in this world. And it's not our God's fault. It's what people have done. And when our God looked at what people have done, he sent his son so that we could have forgiveness. And we could start new. This morning, if you've never repented of your sins, been baptized the way they were in Acts 2, we can do that. But if you've gotten to the place where this just got to me and, and I need some strength, everybody here has got your back. There's a way we can help you. Won't you come? Why together we stand and why we sing.
Thanks for joining us here this morning, whether you're in person or uh, if you're live watching on Facebook Live or YouTube, or even if you watch it later this afternoon and sing along and listen to the sermon. Um, thanks, Mike, for the lesson on Gideon. Uh, the story of Judges, he says, evil exists in the world. The theme of Judges is people do what was right in their own eyes. We all know the, the problems that go with that. So, anywho. Pick yourself up a bulletin. If you're at home, there's one online. You'll probably get one in the email. You can also swing by. We'll give you another one. Uh, we've got paper copies of it. I don't know of any real updates. Um, I know we got the sick list, the prayer list. There's an update on um, Sue Underwood. They asked for, for prayers for Sue if she continues to heal. Um, of course, this week we learned about Mike and uh, Arlene Hayhurst, the passing of Arlene, which is very sad, but also uh, the accident that Mike was in that uh, has him in a nursing home. Um, unfortunately, with the situation, we're not allowed to go see our loved ones in the nursing homes and stuff. And I know that touches a lot of the families here and a lot of us who uh, miss them very much. Um, Wednesday, ladies' lunch, out back, 1130, right? In the foyer. It's too hot to go out back. In the foyer. Okay. So in the foyer, lots of spacing there. Bring your, bring your burrito. Bring your bowl of soup. Bring your uh, tacos. Anything but a sandwich. So, um, I'd like to read you a thank you card from uh, Gigi Rescala. Dear brothers and sisters, our family appreciate all the help and love and assistance that you gave us have given. Love you all. Please continue in prayer for me and my family, and we'll continue in prayer for the church. Love you all like our family from our heart, the Rescala family. So we have that card from her. Uh, continue to pray for our schools. The kids are back in school. Um, I got two away at college, one in high school. Our House almost quiet now. Um, so, anyways, the boys are doing well. Um, they're doing well. Uh, I know Charlie back at school. Everybody else is back at school. Um, it's different. It's. Uh, I'm sure it's a. It's a challenge for all the teachers. It's a challenge for everybody trying to incorporate those at home as well as those in the classroom. Um, whole new set of tools to do it. Um, please remember to pray for all of them, their safety, and that the education continues. we stand for our closing song. You are the words and the music. You are the song that I sing.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've had here to come together to worship you. We thank you so much for your love for us, even in our brokenness, even in our sinfulness. You sent your son to die a terrible death for us. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope that we have through him. We thank you, Father, for the encouragement that we've gotten from each other this morning in our fellowship. We thank you, Father, for the lesson that we've heard. And Father, now more than maybe any time in our lifetimes, we need you to show yourself in our country. Father, we have a pandemic that's uh, every day we hear of discouraging numbers, that of numbers of people that are dying, people that are hospitalized. Father, we pray that you bring an end to that. Father, we have great divisions in our country. We have probably the most divided political system that we can remember. We ask you to be with us. Father, we have those in our country who are doing just exactly as Mike spoke about, doing what they think is right in their own eyes, and many of them have very distorted views. We have violence, we have chaos, we have anarchy, Father. We pray that you bring an end to that. Please stand up leaders for us that can lead us and guide us in the right direction. Father, we pray that you would heal our country. Help us, whether we're here in the flesh, whether we're watching virtually, to take on your word and, and help us to share it, help us to spread it, help us to be an example for you. Father, we pray for those of our number that are struggling with health problems. We pray for those that are mourning the loss of loved ones. We pray for, for those that are downtrodden. Please guide us all, forgive us our sins, protect us. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <laughs>